We mistake them for identity. They're actually not identity. Mm -hmm. We identify with them. Yes. Because it helps us identify with a group of people and identity mm -hmm. helps us belong. Mm -hmm. And belonging is at, at the root of everything that we as humans do. We need to belong to a group. It's very scary to willfully say, you know, I, I'm not going to identify in those ways at risk of feeling like I belong a little less. Welcome back to the Well Now It podcast. I'm joined by the remarkable and inspiring Corey Richards. If you don't know him, he's an internationally renowned photographer, filmmaker, director, writer, among many things. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. I've been following him for a while, and I just really admire you know, his courage and resilience with all the obstacles that he's faced in his life. Um, and I know he's had many Well Now What moments, which is exactly what my podcast is about. So thank you so much for coming on, and I'm just excited to dive into your journey. Yeah, thank you. I don't know. That's uh, I, I hope I can live up to your intro. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so I know that you've done a gazillion interviews and it's all mostly about like your climbing photography and everything. But I really want to know the person behind the lens, the person behind all these crazy climbs and everything. So I usually go chronologically in my interviews. I want to know, start from the beginning, childhood, adolescence. Um, I know that you grew up, you know, with diagnosed with depression, dropping out of high school. I'd love to know what your family and friends would describe you as back then. Oh, wow. Uh, how would they describe me back then? Um, resistant, mm -hmm. uh, creative, I think energetic, but also really stubborn. I, I think I, in fact, if I was going to say, I think that's the word that my parents would probably use to describe. I mean, you know, articulate and, and, and curious, but stubborn, just like stubborn about everything. Um, which is again, why, like I probably dropped out of high school because I didn't react well to really anybody telling me what to do. And it's not that I had a better idea of what I should be doing. It's just that I loathed authority. Yes. That makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of authority, so my podcast is all about originally started by the post-grad, as I was saying. Um, so I'd love your thoughts about institutional education. And I know that you didn't really go through that. And then your approach on educating yourself growing up and now. Well, look, I mean, I think institutionalized and sort of like the, the, the education system that we have in North America, and of mm -hmm. course, it's slightly different between the States and Canada. Um, but the, the truth is, it, it, it's designed for the broadest effect uh that it can have right but what that does is it is it sort of uh it, it was designed to catch and educate as many minds as possible mm -hmm. but in doing so we've sort of dumbed down uh, the ability to really allow people to rise up in their in, in specificity and and what inspires them the most so we don't have a lot of uh, programs that really encourage uh, uh sort of broader exploration of what you, you know, what an individual really wants to do. So um, I, I don't want to say that the system's broken because I think there's, there's too much negative talk that, you know, this is broken, that's broken, we're all fucked. And I just don't agree with that. But I do want to say that I think um, what's required is for students to 
advocate loudly for the things that are moving them and that they are passionate about uh, and make that very, very well known um, and not be afraid of it. Uh, you know, for me, that was always art. Um, and and like you said, I dropped out. So uh, the, the standardized education system that I was a part of didn't work for me, even though I was actually in a sort of an accelerated or um, gifted program, which is designed to, to stimulate, you know, minds that might need a little bit of extra stimulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though the, even with best intentions, that still didn't work. And I'm not sure that, that it, anything really would have worked, but I found that m- the vast majority of my education came just through blatant curiosity and reading. It's one thing to be like, look, school sucks. I'm not going to do it. And then just go and do nothing. It's another thing to be like, look, this doesn't work for me. And this is how I'm going to course correct. I would be lying if I said I did the latter. I was more of the former, but I was also very fortunate to have sort of a, in time, a social structure around me that allowed me to, to uh, explore without going necessarily back to school. But then you know, I, I ended up going back to university for a short time. I studied writing, then I studied photography. Uh, but again, I, I dropped out. I never got a degree. And I think it's ironic and really funny that I'm now I'm doing my artist residency this fall at Oxford University. Um, so I just I find it hysterical that you could be yeah. a high school dropout and end up going to Oxford. Right. Uh, there's no path. You know, there's mm-hmm. no one way to do this stuff. Yeah, no, amazing. And how about now in terms of educating yourself? So I'm assuming with climbing and photography was kind of as you went, like as you went. Yeah. So how about, yeah, what about like now with writing? You went a little bit to university, but how do you improve yourself? With that? Well, I mean, any sort of education or mastery, I mean, mm-hmm. that's really why we get educated is we, we, we get educated to find something that we're interested in. And then we, and then we sort of narrow ourselves into that. Mm-hmm. And that can be a number of different things throughout life. And it doesn't have to be one thing at, at, at a time. It can be mm-hmm. different things at a time, but you know, I always loved to write. And what I've found is that the, the mastery of that, certainly there are people who are more innately talented, but if you want to be a better writer, write. Mm-hmm. period end of story and that and that is not it, and it's a it's very hard to set up those systems in the the sort of fragmented world in which we live like we're this we're doing a podcast right now right uh we have instagram we have tiktok we have all the bullshit that actually pulls our attention away from doing meaningful deep work mm-hmm. and uh if you want to be a good writer if you want to be a photographer if you want to be whatever the whatever you want to do mm-hmm. uh, it, those actions to to rise up in those fields is is about creating meaningful deep time to cultivate that craft mm-hmm. and that's time with your phone off and i know that sounds so weird to to some you know especially a younger audience it's like no turn your phone off like for 4 hours a day and read for an hour and then write for 2 hours or whatever it happens to be that you want to cultivate right if you want to code code for two hours but it's about carving out meaningful chunks of time where you're uninterrupted and and then applying those and then practicing your skill mm-hmm. in those time chunks mm-hmm, very cool. okay so you have multiple passions like climbing photography writing among many things what do you find the most like easiest to get into like the most natural would you say it's picking up a camera snapping a shot going up in the mountains or like staying at home and writing what feels like most natural to you 
Most natural is procrastination (laughs) of all of them. Um, Like I'm not a naturally gifted person at any one thing. Um, uh, For a long time, um, I mean, it was hard for me to do anything really. It's like, uh, and then, and then I think climbing was, that was the easiest thing for a little while. And then photography was because, you know, I changed stimulation and now writing is that thing because I'm really excited about it. So I'd say, you know, it comes in, it comes in seasons. Um, and, and I've actually sort of, I don't climb as much anymore. I mean, in fact, I don't really climb at all now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not working as a photographer anymore. So that there's shifts. And I think that's something that is so important about this podcast is that like, especially when we're younger, we're like, I'm going to do this thing or I'm going to find this passion and I'm going to do it forever. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. No, like not at all. No, not, definitely not. Not even a little bit. And, yeah. uh, so right now, the easiest thing, well, that's writing. Yes. Yeah. And I often talk about identity and kind of changing careers. And how did you switch that from being known as, you know, Corey, the climber, the photographer to now where you're wanting to transition in your life? And I often talk about this question with like my parents, even um, people that are close to me, you know, that my dad has dealt with depression and it's been really bad. And he was this businessman, like this entrepreneur. And then when he kind of decide to change things. He lost his identity and he felt like, um, you know, who am I now? And that's when he kind of delved into like a really big depression. So I'm just curious to know how you're, how you've dealt with that identity change completely. Like it's still with you, but it's still like, you know, I'm doing something else now. I was known as this person, but now this is who I am. Yeah. Well, I, I guess part of it is, Actually, the book that I'm I'm writing a book right now, and and uh, it's about my life, and it's about mental health, and it's about all the things that I've sort of gone through in life, mm-hmm. including you know photo- being a professional climber and mm-hmm. being a photographer for National Geographic, and um, but it isn't focused on those things, but it does talk a lot about what you're hitting at here, which is which is this idea of identity, and um, there's a Taoist, you know, in the Tao Te Ching, which it's sort of a I mean, that's a philosophical, uh, if anybody isn't familiar with the Tao Te Ching, I, I would encourage them to go um, read it. It's, uh, but there's, there's an idea that it talks about identity as being uh, soft and supple and that the things that we witness in life that are inflexible um, are agents of death, essentially. So, you know, when we're born, we're soft and supple when we die, we are rigid, right? Mm-hmm. And this idea that rigidness is, is, is signaling an inflexibility that will ultimately, if you're not dead already, it will lead to that. Mm-hmm. Now that can be literal or figurative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with identity, it's tough because especially when we're young, we're like, and I did this for a long time, I'm a climber. I'm a photographer for National Geographic magazine. I'm sponsored, you know, I'm a I'm a sponsored climber by the North Face, whatever it is. And those things we mistake them for identity. They're actually not mm-hmm. identity. We identify with them. Yes. Because it helps us identify with a group of people and identity mm-hmm. helps us belong. Mm-hmm. And belonging is at at the root of everything that we as humans do. We need to belong to a group. It's very scary 
to willfully say, you know, I, I'm not going to identify in those ways at risk of feeling like I belong a little less. But I work very hard now to say, like, people would say, oh, he's a, you know, he's a writer, he's a photographer. And, I, and so when people ask me what I do, mm-hmm. and these are subtle things that we can all do throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do? I will consciously think right now I'm writing, mm-hmm. which does not say I am or I was or I will be mm-hmm. because I will never be a writer. I will be a person who writes. Yes, yes. And that is so important because it gives you flexibility throughout your life to say, for a time, I took photographs. Mm -hmm. For a time, I climbed professionally, you know, and now, but once we're like, I'm a climber, and then that Mm -hmm. stops. You get stuck in that box. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, Mm -hmm. like, like, and that to to the point of your dad, Mm -hmm. that's very confronting and it can cause a lot of depression. And I've dealt with that when I retired from climbing and photography, it's like, well, now, like, who the fuck am I? Yeah, yeah. And I'm 41, you know, and it's like, we don't have it figured out. We never have it figured out. Yeah. Yeah. No, incredible. That's a great way to like separate yourself. Cause I think people are often like, or I'm like, I'm a podcaster. I do all these things, but they're just things that we do. Um, yeah. yeah. So how have you now, you know, transitioning to this, um, where do you hope to kind of evolve in terms of like your career and everything there? What a great question. Um, above all things, I want to be a, just a really good person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I've found that I've pursued, uh, I've had ambitions and I've pursued big goals because I sort of believed that that external, um, value or validation would offset a sense of not belonging, uh, mm-hmm. that, that I felt deep inside, um, a sense of like a value deficit that I've struggled with throughout my life. Um, and what I've found is that uh, nothing I've ever done like externally, like writing or mm. climbing or nothing I've ever done has actually made me feel whole. Oh, okay. uh, and so there is no external action mm-hmm. that helps us arrive at wholeness the external actions when done when observed for their for their natural purpose mm-hmm. bring us back to ourselves where we begin to understand that our wholeness is something that is innate and always comes from within mm-hmm. um and i mistook those things so what do i want to do i want to keep pursuing that i want to keep uh quieting the external world in order to uh hear myself more fully understand what intuition is mm-hmm. um to understand my values and virtues and and my integrity and what drives me forward and how I can be of greatest service to the world by employing the natural gifts that I have. Um, I want to speak about, you know, the brain and mental health and how we can not just uh, live alongside, but I I truly believe overcome certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my evolution right now is very much a, a personal one. And of course, there's still things that I want to do externally, right? Like I want to make big films and I want to work in that space of, of you know, creating uh, scripted, you know, television or, or, or movies. Uh, but 
again, that's an external goal. And I know that that is not the thing, but approach from, uh, I I think, a very um, aware perspective and knowing where I've come from and knowing that doing some big thing isn't going to actually make me any better, Mm -hmm. but approaching it from a very internal perspective, which is to say, these are the things that I understand to be true about myself and the world around me. What are the most important stories that I can tell to bring people into closer contact with one another and to help them examine their own journeys Mm -hmm. um, and, and hopefully be a little bit more compassionate towards themselves and others. You know, that's, I, that's a long answer, but no, it's no, like, no, that's perfect. Yeah. And how, yeah. How do you find in your personal life? How do you find those people around you that support you and uplift you and are going through that journey of involvement with you? Gosh, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's funny for me, when I moved to LA, you know, I always lived in mountain towns. I lived in Canmore. I lived mm-hmm. in Boulder. I grew up in Salt Lake city. Uh, yeah, I have a house in Bozeman. Um, and I always thought that I was supposed to be in mountain towns because I was a I was a climber, right? Again, it's this whole identity thing. So my identity was actually directing where I was living, okay. but I never found community in those places. Mm-hmm. When I moved to LA, I went to a gym that um, you know, I and and a lot of people push back on this, so I'm gonna be gentle with it, but like I I go to CrossFit gyms. Mm-hmm. I've just found that they're the best thing for me. Um, people have their opinions. That's fine. I'm not arguing for that modality of fitness, but what I am arguing for is the community that's often found there. Mm-hmm. And the best thing that I've, that's happened to me in recent years is the group of men specifically that I've discovered through my gym here. Mm-hmm. And I have one of the most, uh, tightly wound core group of males, men, amazing men mm-hmm. that I turn to, turn, turn to for support and guidance and all of this. And I think, um, it doesn't have to be from a gym, it, but, but, but what I think we need to do is create community, uh, and, and, and find our way into those communities of, I don't want to say like-minded people. I think it's good to have people that challenge your views, but, um, uh, that, how I found that that came to me through the gym, like, and it's going to come, but if, but if you're an artist, you know, I, I, there's, there's groups that, you know, whether it's, we all, it sounds so stupid, but it's like, Oh, we all go to the park and do line drawings on Wednesdays. Great. Even if you meet one person, even if you meet nobody, it's a great experience. If you meet one person that has, that's tapped into a big community, all of a sudden you're on your way. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's trying a bunch of different things Mm -hmm. and it's hard. The older you get, the harder it is, man. Like moving to Los Angeles when you're 40 years old being like, I want to make movies. People are like, yeah, sure. Okay. I'll see you as a bartender. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's hard, but guess what? It's happening. So Yeah, it's funny that you say that. So I go to F45. It sounds again basic. I'm sure there's some in the States mm-hmm. or in LA. And I've made oh, such an amazing yeah, community out here in Kitsilano by by the beach. I love um, Oh my god. Yeah. And it's just like so the most amazing people and like it's really good of like good group of strong women. Yeah. And they really help like held me accountable. And also I talk in my podcast about like an eating disorder and all that and being around people where I'm able to be like active, but also in a really healthy way and supporting me is so amazing. So I'm on that in terms of like the gym, if anyone can, if you're into like fitness or anything, if you find the right gym, it's like such a great community. It can be so uplifting too. 
And you don't have to be into fitness. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. Like mm-hmm. you can go to the gym as a not fit person. This is yes. something I hear all the time. Oh, I have to yeah. be so fit to start at 45 or I got to no. be fit to go to CrossFit. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like yeah. you can go in and make your commitment to do like five minutes of the class mm-hmm. and then don't, in fact, there's a, there's a, a lot of evidence that shows like when you're starting, you're like, I'm just going to do five minutes. And then you make yourself leave after five minutes and you do it. Yeah. For, that's it. Yeah. And then what you find is that you want to stay longer and longer. And then you're rewarding yourself versus forcing yourself to stay for the whole time. Yes. Um, but I get it to, to your point, strong women. I think men and women, we are different. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this to, to all the male listeners and the female yes. listeners. Yes. Finding, um, of co- we're, we're going to gravitate towards co-ed groups sometimes, mm-hmm. but finding a strong gender identified, I mean, that it doesn't have to be male or female. It can be trans, whatever, Yes. but finding that strong community, um, that supports your specific identity mm-hmm. and shares your specific struggles as a male or a female or trans, however you identify is so important. Yeah. Really, I... really important. It's very important for your mental health and it keeps you honest. It keeps you accountable, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, with the book that you're writing right now and you're reflecting and being very introspective on your life, are you calling back certain friends or people that knew you at that certain time? Or are you just recalling everything that had happened on your own? Because I feel like if I were to think about when I was like 16, I'm like, I need to ask everyone. I can't remember. It was like a blur. Well, first of all, like most of our memory, this is something that I, that I actually write about in the book. Most of our memory is, is well, 50% of our memory is false. Yes. Yes. I so, would. <laughs> yeah. So like what 50% of what we remember actually didn't happen or it didn't happen the way that we remember it. Right. And um, so it's, again, that goes with the whole identity thing. We've pinned mm-hmm. ourselves and we've made an image of ourselves on things that we've recalled and retold that actually might not even be true. Mm-hmm. So it's important to keep that in mind. Um, to answer your question in a, as a joke, I find myself calling people and apologizing a lot. Because <laughs> um, you're remembering? <laughs> well, because I'm like, oh, shit, I was an asshole. Or, you know, mm-hmm. but but to the point of, of 50%, it, I guess what I'm saying is as I'm writing a book, I'm realizing that memoir is factual, right? Mm-hmm. But you also sort of, reimagine the way things happened throughout life. And as you go back and you write that stuff down, it's important to gut check and be like, wait, did it happen this way? Or did it happen? And at the same time, you might not remember every detail and that's okay. You know, um, you're not going to like my earliest memory. I think my dad, gosh, I think I was three, like my true earliest memory. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's a flash, right? It's like a, it's like a Polaroid picture in my head. Yes. And most of our childhood, even, you know, being 40 years old or 41, most of my adolescence still is patchy, right? It, you know, most of my big memories don't crystallize until the end of my adolescence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And writing a book about your life, are you finding it quite easy to do it? Because it's like, oh, it's about me. Obviously, I'm an expert in the subject. Or is it just it's really difficult and you're having to do it in like chunks? Ah, it's, it's difficult. Okay. It's really difficult. And I find that like, I, you know, I'll write really well for a few months or I'll like, I'll write three or four chapters. They Mm -hmm. just kind of spill out. Mm -hmm. And then I have to take a big break. Like I, I just, which I'm not really allowing myself to do anymore. Honestly, I'm 
I'm, I'm sort of going back to that idea of like every day I sit down to write for three or four hours mm -hmm. and no matter what, I get something done that way. The way I've done it historically is like, okay, I'm, I'm worn out. So now I'm going to take off two months, and, but that doesn't really feel good. It doesn't feel like I stay true and consistent to the craft. So I'm not honoring my, my time in it. Um, but what I will say, I think more to the point of your question is that it can be really hard to look at yourself critically and not be too hard on yourself, but also be hard enough on yourself to, to, to be honest and, and say, no, this is like, I was kind of a shitty person in this moment. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Because wow. I think a lot of people think about the celebration of a life and they're like, no, you've done this cool stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I was also kind of a dick. Yeah. 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 And how do you yeah. find writing about that? I think for me, I'd be like, oh man, but then, you know, you want to be honest and you want to share your whole story. I find it to be liberating and also um, a little, it can be confronting. And what I found is the most confronting thing is not my actions but how I write about myself, mm. which is to say that I, I end up writing about myself in pretty negative, like uh, there's sort of, there's a degree of self-loathing okay. that I have to be very, very aware of because nobody, first of all, nobody wants to read 250 pages of somebody shitting on themselves, <laughs> right? Like it's, okay. it's just not like a little bit. Okay. Being a little <laughs> self-effacing is fine, but you know, 20 chapters of like, and then I was a terrible asshole. Uh, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't work, but also it's just not true, mm -hmm. right? Like the, 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 the breadth of human experience has to allow for people to make mistakes and we, we all will, um, and we'll make big ones and we will really hurt people. Mm -hmm. And those people might never forgive us, but, um, that doesn't mean we're bad people. Right. And, and so as I'm going through this process, there's also a lot of forgiveness that I'm discovering around like, oh yeah, I did that. And the reconciliation might never come from the other person, but so long as I can look myself in the mirror and go, okay, I've, I've made amends for that in the ways that I can, then, then I'm doing okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I have one last question before we get into rapid fires. I'm, I'm just curious, like you're writing so much about your life. Do you feel like sometimes with my podcast, when I do really personal ones, I'm like, uh, I want to keep a little bit more, you know, private to myself. Not yeah. everyone knows what it is. And how do you feel about kind of sharing everything while still wanting to keep some moments to yourself in private? The moments that I want to keep to myself in private are the moments mm -hmm. that I haven't had yet. Okay. Um, I'm happy sharing my life okay. um, yeah. and I feel like the most value that I can like, like I said earlier, the, the, mm -hmm. the greatest benefit that I can provide the world with mm -hmm. the way I can fulfill my purpose is being open and honest and unflinching in this examination, because what is exposed there is not that I'm exceptional, but rather that we share all of that. Mm. If people are reading it and they're going, oh shit, I've done that. Or I do that too. Or I feel that way, but they've never talked about it. Yes. It opens the conversation. So the moments that I want to have, I haven't, yeah. you know, like I'm yet to have them. I'm, I'm happy to talk about everything. Okay. Awesome. No, I love that. Um, okay. Um, let's do some rapid fires. Okay. What has been one of your favorite birthdays that you've had? Oh, wow. Uh, number one, don't remember it, but I'm happy I'm alive. 
Great answer. I haven't heard that one. That was good. Yeah. Um, if your life was a movie, what genre would it be and who would you want to play you? <sighs> Dark dramedy thriller. Uh, I, I have, uh, it's just funny. I would, you know, a piece of me wants to be like, oh, well, Chris Pine, you know, but, but then I actually also think that Toby Maguire would probably be, you oh, know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love yeah. Toby. Yeah. Um, what question do you wish people asked you more often? Um, question people um how are you really hmm. how are you really that feels like we're not really strangers question if you played that game before yeah like how are you really like mm-hmm. and not not because i want to expose all the baggage but i think yeah. i i think that just signals that people are like invested in finding out a little bit more than mm-hmm. the, yo what's up you know yeah yeah i like that um What's something that's missing from your life right now? It can be deep. It can be superficial, you know, or surface level. Sorry. Gosh, I, uh, okay. I'm going to give you, no, I'm going to give you a deep answer. And then I'm going to give you the, 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 the rapid fire answer. For sure. Um, the deep answer is nothing's missing because nothing can be missing. I don't, I don't believe anymore that we can make wrong decisions. I don't mm-hmm. believe in timing. Timing is always on time. So if mm-hmm. the quote unquote timing didn't align, it wasn't, that's, that's still timing being on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't believe in coincidence. So is anything missing? No, nothing can be. It, it literally can't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the gut answer of me being Corey and not some, you know, hyper fucking spiritual guy is I would really like to have a great partner in my life. And I don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. So okay. good answer. Um, what's your least favorite photograph you've taken or maybe my least favorite photograph? Yeah. Oh, you mean, well, this is a funny question. Like my least favorite that is out there in the world because no, there's, no. About, there's about 2 million yeah. in that closet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Day. Okay. That might be too many. Okay. Maybe one, like one that you've published and people have seen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oof. Uh, I don't know that I can. So again, I, I go into these like philosophical answers yes. where I'm like, my, my least favorite is probably the, you know, is the, the ice face, you know, me right uh, after the avalanche yes, yes. only because I think it, it, it signals maybe, um, it, it's, it's so misunderstood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's also one of my favorites, right? It's that whole right. duality that like our greatest gifts are are oftentimes our greatest curses. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Okay. Um, and last question, who are the three most influential people in your life right now? Right now? Yeah. Oh, what a great distinction. Because um, otherwise I'm like, well, I can't. Uh, <laughs> um, three most influential people in my life right now are uh, Kenny Kane, um, who is... Uh, He's the guy that he owns the gym I go to. He's the facilitator of the men's group. He's one of my best friends. Um, he's he's all about, you know, change is inevitable. Growth is optional. So, um, you know, he's about growing uh, ourselves and each other mindfully with awareness. And I, so he's a huge one. Um, I would say my ex-girlfriend. Um and that's a weird one. I was trying to think, but she is influencing my life. Even though we don't talk, it was, mm. I think the most painful, it was, it was hands down the hardest heartbreak of my life. And we're not, you know, 
we're still coming out of it and I'm sure we'll repair and be friends in time, but it was so painful that we're not in that stage yet. But the reason I say she's the most influential is because she, you know, that relationship was what initiated me into this tremendous growth process that I'm in right now. Um, and so she's influenced every day, uh, of the past year and a half of my life. Um, and, and she still, or two years of my life, and she still, uh, even though we're not in active conversation, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm constantly in conversation with her in my head, which influences my days. So, okay. um, and, uh, gosh, who's, who's another one that I can throw under the bus here. Um, I've I've got so many fucking great people in my life right now. Um, Oh yeah. I would say my dad right now Um, Mm -hmm. because my dad is sick. So he's, you know, he's got terminal cancer. He's, we don't know how long he's going to be. He's, he's outlived everybody's prognosis. Right. Mm -hmm. So he could, he could be around for 10 years, but Mm -hmm. um, I think the process of coming to terms with a parent passing is something that is ubiquitous. It's, it's transcendent. It, every, everybody's going to go through that for the most part. Uh, and yet it still feels radically unique. Like it's your own experience. Like you're the only one that's ever had this. And, and yet everybody has, is, has had this is, or is going to have this. And uh, specifically with, with, you know, as a man losing his father, um, I think as women losing their mothers, uh, there's, there are questions of masculinity and femininity and those aspects of both of us that when you lose a, a patriarch or a matriarch or, or whoever, uh, however they represent in, the, in their lives, uh, it brings up big questions about existence. So I think his, that experience is guiding me in certain ways. Wow, yeah. Thank you for sharing. That may be the best answer I've received yet for that question. So thank you oh. for sharing for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Corey. I appreciate it so much. And I I know my listeners are going to appreciate it tremendously. Um, So thank you so much. And when your book comes out, you know I'm going to be buying it, and I'm going to read it for sure. We'll do. We'll do another podcast. (laughs) Yes, post book release. Yes, we'll do a book release podcast. Yes. Well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.